This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Now, from the most powerful city in the world, a new generation of conservative talk. Fair, fresh, fun. It's the Guy Benson Show with Guy Benson. Happy Friday, January 28th, 2022. I'm Guy Benson. This is the Guy Benson Show. I'm your host. Thanks for being here. Fox News contributor and townhall.com political editor Guy Benson, after whom the show is named. GuyBensonShow.com is our website. GuyBensonShow.com. The podcast is free every day. We air live 3 to 6 p.m. Eastern Time, Monday through Friday. You can listen on our great affiliates through the Fox News app through Fox Nation. It's all right there at GuyBensonShow.com. Another option, our partners at Odyssey.com, A-U-D-A-C-Y.com. Here's our lineup today. Lawrence Jones will be here later this hour. He's got a brand new weekend show on Fox News Channel debuting on Saturday evening. He will tell us all about it. Plus, I want to get his take on a conversation that I had yesterday with Juan Williams. That's coming up this hour. In the next hour, an interview that you do not want to miss. Bill Malugin, our Fox correspondent at the border, has been uncovering truly shocking developments in the border crisis. The U.S. government facilitating hundreds, maybe thousands of illegal immigrants, single men, facilitating their travel all over the country. They get apprehended. They get processed. They get bussed to airports and released. And the administration, the Biden administration, DHS, will not comment, will not even return a phone call or an email. That was the update that I last heard. Bill will bring us the very latest today. It truly is shocking. Like when you think it couldn't get worse, just wait. In our final hour, the happy hour coming up after 5 p.m. Eastern, Fridays with Cat. Cat Timf will be here, and God knows what we'll talk about because our best laid plans just uh, go out the door with Cat, but you don't want to miss it. Fox News alert upcoming here. As we always do, let's bring you stats. COVID cases all in, 73.4 million. That's the official number, as we always say. It's tens of millions higher. But the official stat is 73-plus million. The death toll, people dying with or of COVID in the United States over these two years or so, 877,815. The Dow is up 241 points right now with the closing bell 51 minutes away. So it's a green day so far, the Dow at 34,409. And uh, we'll get you caught up to the final number when the closing bell rings in less than an hour. Now, it was a very emotional day today in New York City. As a hero was laid to rest, New York City police officer and detective uh, Jason Rivera, who was one of the two officers killed 
just days ago in Harlem in that shooting, that incident in an apartment. And then the other officer just died as well. The funeral was held today in New York City. And there are some truly stunning photographs, just breathtaking photographs. They're very powerful of block after block after block in New York City just completely filled with police officers in their full uniform regalia in the city to pay their respects and to show solidarity as one of their own was murdered in the line of duty, two of their own, one being laid to rest today. I retweeted one of the photographs that I saw. I see Dana Perino also had a pretty amazing one. I've never seen anything like it. I mean, it looked like the biggest parade of police you'll ever see, but in a very somber setting. Stretching from the foreground all the way to the horizon. And I think anyone trying to get to work today in midtown Manhattan is just surrounded by a sea of officers who were there to stand shoulder to shoulder, to mourn, and to pay respects to Detective Rivera. The funeral was, of course, brutal. Rivera's widow, Dominique Luzariaga, spoke. She gave one of the eulogies, and it was extremely difficult to watch. And I think a lot of people who were watching live felt their stomach not up, felt a lump in their throat, had some tears welling up in their eyes. How can you not? This young widow talking about her husband who was shot and killed in the line of duty. Here's part of what she said in Cut 18. Jason is so happy right now that all of you are here. Through pain and sorrow, this is exactly how he would have wanted to be remembered. Like a true hero. Or like I used to call him, Big P.O. Rivera. You have the whole nation on gridlock. And although you won't be here anymore, I want you to live through me. I want you to live through me. It's, it's painful. And she went on in Cut 19 to make a political statement about the new district attorney, who we've talked about here on the show, very left-wing, soft on crime, has tried to backpedal a little bit on a memo that he put out, basically an open invitation for more crimes, saying we're not going to really prosecute a whole host of dangerous crimes. We're not going to seek prison sentences beyond 20 years even for murder. I mean, it was a radical document, and he said, oh, it was just a misunderstanding. I think there was no misunderstanding in the law enforcement community. They're still furious. And Officer Rivera, Detective Rivera's widow, made sure that he knew how much anger and pain there is. The DA was present. He was in the church. He was in the cathedral for this service. He was there for the eulogy. And she spoke directly about him. And you can hear the reception for yourself. Cut 19. The system continues to fail us. We are not safe anymore. Not even the members of the service. 
I know you were tired of these laws, especially the ones from the new DA. I hope he's watching you speak through me right now. I'm sure all of our blue family is tired too. But I promise, we promise, that your death won't be in vain. I love you to the end of time. We'll take the watch from here. I mean, the, the poise. I can't imagine. I can't. And the backdrop to what you just heard is this headline, foxnews.com, six law enforcement officers shot across the U.S. in less than 24 hours as violent crime surges. Two police officers were shot in St. Louis. A sheriff's deputy was shot in Milwaukee. And three more police officers were shot in Houston. That's in the last 48 hours. That does not include Detective Rivera or the other officer who just died in New York. These are six additional officers who've been shot across our country just in the last two days. As we mentioned yesterday, five of New York's finest have been shot this year alone and were not done with January. I mean, it's just sickening and outrageous. And part of the reason why I think you heard that outbreak of applause when the widow in her eulogy decided to say some words about the new DA and the laws and the policies, which is why she feels like society is not as safe anymore, here is an example of what she's talking about. This was today from National Review. Suspect charged with shooting NYPD officer released on bond. A teen rapper charged with shooting a New York City police officer was released on Thursday after posting his bond. Cameron Williams, an up-and-coming rapper who goes by the name C. Blue, walked free from a Brooklyn juvenile facility after being charged with gun and assault charges in the shooting of a 27-year-old police officer in the Bronx. That according to the New York Post. The president of the NYPD Police Benevolent Association slammed the release. Quote, If anybody wants to know why we have a crisis of violence in this city, or why we're about to bury two hero police officers, look no further than this disgraceful bail release. This individual chose to carry illegal guns twice, Lynch said he chose to fight with and shoot a New York City police officer. There's no reason to believe he won't do the same thing again when he's out on the street tonight. Shame on the judge for allowing this to happen, he added. The people of the Bronx won't be safe as long as he's on the bench. And it's this sort of uh, leniency that sometimes is on the judges, sometimes it's just in the law. Their hands are tied. They're forced to do these things. I mean, it's, it's now the decision being made by some prosecutors. I, I mentioned it with Martha on the air this week. 
and obviously this does not come close to comparing to the shooting of a police officer, but the uh, mentally ill guy who burned down the Fox News Christmas tree, that's a very dangerous thing. That's a felony. Arson, it could have it could have gone wrong and really hurt people. He was released in a matter of hours. This is what the policy is. And it's not just New York, it's a bunch of other cities around the country. So here you have this kid who's a rapper with no respect for the law, obviously. He's got an illegal gun. Oh, they talk, oh, gun violence, gun violence, gun violence. Okay, well, here's someone with an illegal gun who makes a decision to use that gun to shoot a cop. And rather than saying, no bail, you're going to be behind bars until trial, they let him out. I mean, if it feels like criminals are getting a message, I think you're right. And the message is exactly the wrong one. And that's why the words that we heard from Detective Jason Rivera's widow today were not just sorrow and heartbreak and anguish, but anger. And there are a lot of people who share that anger. A lot. We'll take a break. We'll come back. It's the Guy Benson Show on this Friday. Don't go anywhere. Fresh conservative talk. Guy Benson Show. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. It's the Hammer Time Podcast. Fox News Channel's Bill Hammer takes you one-on-one with engaging personalities covering the critical issues of the day. Find Hammer Time now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. I'm Guy Benson. It's the Guy Benson Show. Turning our attention to Russia and Ukraine, there is a bit of a flap, certainly here in Washington and over in Kiev as well, about the contents of a phone call between President Biden and President Zelensky, the leader of Ukraine, which may sound familiar based on uh, phone calls between the U.S. president and the Ukrainian president and a transcript and a readout and all of that from the last administration. This is different, but there's at least something of an echo there that some folks are commenting on. The White House is trying to downplay reports that Biden was sort of apocalyptic in his phone call with Zelensky, and Zelensky is out there saying, you need to stop panicking, basically saying this to his own people, but also to the president of the United States. And the denials that are coming from the White House are being contradicted. It's sort of a bit of a mess, especially when it seems like the most important thing in the face of potential Russian aggression is unity. There is disunity amid NATO allies, and now there's this daylight between the U.S. and Ukraine over this this controversy. The timing is awful. Biden's terrible. Biden is absolutely an awful president. 
And just like one thing after another, wait till you hear our conversation with Bill Malugin about the border. It's just a mess on every front. Which brings me to this Wall Street Journal story that I almost feel like buries the lead a little bit. Here's the headline. Biden sanctions plan targets of Russian banks, companies, and imports if Ukraine is attacked. The plan, which is still being finalized, would prohibit a range of activities. Okay, so here's a discussion and an examination of what the U.S. government would sanction against Russia. Because remember, the whole thing that Biden's been saying is, oh, if Putin does this, if he invades, and he had to clean up the minor incursion thing, there will be absolutely unprecedented, blistering, crippling sanctions against Russia. From the United States, from our partners, it is going to be extremely painful and unlike anything he's ever experienced before, and he better not do it. And there's a lot of experts who have said, you know, some, at least some of those crippling sanctions should be put in place now. Right? Obviously, it doesn't seem like these rhetorical deterrents are working. Why not start putting in the sanctions? Saying, if you don't like these, if these are uncomfortable, this is just the beginning. It's only to get worse. And if you want us to lift these sanctions, that's up to you. Redeploy your military. Get them off the Ukrainian border and and back down. And when our colleague asked President Biden about that, he called it a stupid question. Here's the lead of the Wall Street Journal story. The Biden administration is narrowing its targets for a barrage of economic sanctions against Russia if it attacks Ukraine, hitting major Russian banks, state companies, and needed imports, though the strategy faces obstacles that have hindered previous pressure campaigns. And by the way, the previous pressure campaigns didn't work in deterring Putin or making him feel enough pain for his military adventurism that he wouldn't do it again because he's about to do it again. He has seen American weakness time and time again, and it looks like he's going in for more. And to me, I don't understand why you would be narrowing the list of targets. I feel like you should be broadening the list of targets. Like you're going to bring the Kremlin to its knees economically if they again invade Ukraine. That would be the message, but instead you're getting the reverse If you skip down multiple paragraphs into this story, you get this, quote, Off the table for now are sanctions on oil and natural gas exports or disconnecting Russia from SWIFT, the basic infrastructure that facilitates financial transactions between banks across the world, U.S. officials said. But that could change depending on Russian actions. The idea that those most painful sanctions would be off the table for now? I know they're giving themselves some wiggle room, but why the hell would you be telling Putin in the world for now the heaviest artillery we have on sanctions, on oil and gas, and on SWIFT, which is what we've been threatening? Well, never mind. Those are off the table for now. What exactly? Out of the gates and ready to go. Hey, it's Hutton with Row. Hot Mike is here on the Outkick Network. We've got your afternoon covered with the latest sports discussion, and it's available wherever you find your audio. Daily analysis and news. He is hot. I am Mike. Actually, my <laughs> name is Chad. 
His name is Jonathan, but you get the picture. We're going to bring it every single day. Whatever you want to call us, we'll respond to. We just want you to respond to what we're dishing out every day. And while you're here, we hope you subscribe to the podcast, like, subscribe, and share. Please, that going to do to Putin's calculus? Just weakness and incoherence all the way down from this crew. Stepping aside, coming back, Lawrence Jones joins me next. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The Untold Story with Martha McCallum. The host of The Story on Fox News Channel sits down with major newsmakers each week to get their untold story. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. You're listening to a new generation of talk, Guy Benson. It's Friday on The Guy Benson Show. Thank you for listening. GuyBensonShow.com, our website. Podcast growing by leaps and bounds and always free on demand. Thank you for listening. Always check it out if you can. GuyBensonShow.com. Joining us now is Lawrence Jones, host of the brand new show in addition to Fox's weekend lineup, Lawrence Jones Cross Country, debuting Saturday, 10 p.m. Eastern on FNC. Lawrence, happy Friday. Welcome back. What's up, brother? How you doing? Thanks for having me today. Now, I'm, I'm sure you're going to be drinking at 10 p.m. Just DVR it, okay? Just <laughs> well, I DVR could, it, maybe okay. I can drink and watch at the same time, <laughs> uh, and then DVR, watch it again the next day, see if I missed anything. I want to ask you all about the show, but first, I know you're a big NFL guy. Uh, your team you know, was eliminated from the playoffs, and therefore my question is this. Do you have a rooting interest at this point? Bengals, no. Chiefs, Niners, Rams... Sunday afternoon and evening in the uh, championship games? No, no, no. I don't root for other teams. Um, I'm, I'm a gracious, I try to be gracious when we lose, but I, I just can't bear myself to root for anybody else. But I think the Rams are going to be pretty interesting. I, I'll give them that. Okay, so you don't find yourself rooting for one team no. over the other? Never. You just don't Never. care. You just If it's not the I Cowboys, don't. you don't if care. Mm-mm. No, I don't. I don't care. Now, sometimes I'll root for individual players. Like, oh, this person has a great story. They're a great quarterback, running back, defensive end, something like that. I'll root for the player themselves. But you know, I, I, I can't. I cannot represent any other team but America's team. What What about rooting against a team that you especially hate? Like, what's your least favorite team in the NFL? The Eagles. Right. The I Eagles. mean, good answer. Out. They're, they're done. So, you know, I don't have any venom or anything. But, like, I'm not one of those type of people, like, everybody hates the Patriots because they're such a great, you know, when Brady was there, they were doing pretty good. But I always respected a team like that, you know. So I, I never sure. root against them, you know. Or, like, with the Steelers when they had, were, were on a good run, I never rooted against them. Uh, but the, 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 the Philadelphia fans, they're oh, just yeah. nasty sometimes, and I just can't handle that. Sometimes. Yeah, no, you're, you're absolutely right about that. They're criminals. They're, every single Philadelphia sports fan is a criminal. Every one of them. That's my, that's my hot take for the day. Round them up and, and, and throw them in the prison that they literally build inside their stadiums because that's how many criminals they have. That's my scalding hot take, and uh, we'll get all the, the hate mail coming in from Philly sports fans here any minute. They'll throw batteries at me next time I'm in the city. Love you, Philly. All right, Lawrence, let's talk about the brand-new show First time airing this weekend, Saturday, 10 p.m. Fox News, Lawrence Jones Cross Country. It seems like this is not, based on what I've gathered from some of your social media clues, it doesn't seem like this is going to be a typical 
cable news show out of the mold that you have seen many times before. This looks like this is going to have a different spin. Yeah, um, you know, the bosses, they're really taking a risk on me. We're doing a lot of things different. You know, a lot of the the show is going to be out in the field talking with people about real issues that impact them. Um, You know, I I do a lot of that already uh, for the channel as an enterprise, but this is going to give us more time to do that and digest those issues. But it also is going to give us time to come back into the studio um, and break some of that stuff down and have a moment to breathe. But sometimes we need legislators on to talk about this stuff, and this is not going to be a platform for them to just spew the talking points. they got to be about it. And if you promise our audience that you're going to get something done, I'm going to hold you to that. But this is also a place that is, you know, welcome to every political party in a sense. I want to talk to them all. I want to talk to a lot of these DAs. I think, like, it's, you know, it's acceptable to allow these criminals back on the street. I really want to genuinely understand their philosophy on it. And um, that's what cross-country is going to be about. So give us a sense of one of the topics that you've covered for this week in the field. Yeah, so we're going to start with a victim in Houston. Um, was shot 22 times, murdered brutally, uh, 16-year-old by a 17-year-old. And he's back on the street right around the corner from the mother's home. And um, she's going to tell us what went down that day. The dog came back bloodied, and that was from the victim. Um, and and she, she wants answers to that. Why, why are we allowing these people back on the street? Uh, so th- there's, th- there's going to be some points in the show where uh, it, it really pulls at your heartstrings. But then there's going to be other portions of the show where we talk about football and the latest picks, who may win the Super Bowl. So we've got a combination of all of that. I, look, because of the nature that we're in, the time that we're in, there's a lot of tough issues to digest. And, you know, on Cross Country, we're going to talk a lot, a lot about that. We're going to go out there and cover those stories. But I also want to give the opportunity to the audience to just breathe, you know, after covering those um, those, those tough topics. So yeah, we got a lot. Some of the stories will take your breath away. And, they will. And you can't do that for the full hour every week. I get that. I'm still just digesting what you just said. A woman's child was shot 22 times and murdered. And the person who fired those 22 bullets is on the street. Back on the street, waiting for trial, cold-blooded killer, um, you know, left the scene. The dog, the reason why she was able to, you know, find her daughter is because the dog that was with her came back with the blood uh, Mm. on him and has been, you know, looking for her ever since. And, you know, we're going to not to reveal too much. But he hasn't stopped yet. He is still trying to intimidate the mother, does not like her doing interviews. He has friends. We don't know if this guy is a part of a gang or not. But what we do know is that our justice system let him back on the street. And the question is why? Yeah, and I think that's the question many people are asking today in New York City. We talked about this at the very top of the show. While an NYPD detective is being laid to rest, another cop, a 27-year-old cop, was shot by a rapper in Brooklyn. This is someone who used an illegal gun to shoot a police officer. Well, you've got two police officers from that department being laid to rest. They've been killed. Five officers shot this year. And a judge just allowed this latest person who shot a cop back on the street. I mean, you and I have talked about criminal justice reform before, Lawrence. We're both fans of criminal justice reform. But 
my goodness. I mean, there's there's a difference between meaningful reforms that allow people a second chance and soft on crime, dangerous policies that embolden and empower criminals. And I'm afraid we're seeing far too much of the latter right now in some of these big American cities. You know, let's start with what happened to these cops. You know, you got a cop that Jason who got into the force. Look at his past videos. Look at his past writings, his entrance exam, what he said. He, he, he went in there to be a part of the solution. He saw some things that he didn't necessarily like, but he supported the men and women in blue, so he thought he could be of service. The guy didn't just ambush these officers, but he finished them off. Okay, we're fighting to get this this video release, and I think the public needs to understand the demented individuals that are there on the street. You know, I talk about that story with the the guy that shot um, the young lady twenty two times, and as I'm covering that story right down the street in Houston, Texas. All right, this interview was conducted in Houston. You know, we get word that three cops have been shot. A yep. guy just opened fire on them. They they have they don't just have zero fear for the law. They don't fear the cops. They don't respect the cops. And you, you know to criminal justice reform, part of, part of what I always say is that I supported reforms to the system, and I also supported people that reformed their lives getting, getting a second opportunity. The people that we're seeing on the streets today, they, they've never reformed. I mean, there's mugshot after mugshot from year from year to year, and there was no turning point. So why did we think letting them out would be the solution? It's not. And I can only imagine that this interview with the grieving mother is going to be pretty heart-wrenching, and that airs Saturday at 10 p.m. Eastern on Lawrence Jones Cross Country, the debut of that show this weekend. Lawrence, I want to pick your brain on this. We had Juan Williams on the show yesterday, and we had a pretty lengthy exchange on a topic that is obviously very much in the news. It's delicate because it involves sex and race. And I felt at times like Juan, who I respect, Juan and I were talking past each other a little bit. And the subject was this Supreme Court vacancy that is forthcoming with Justice Breyer announcing his retirement. And I was just asking Juan about what he thought of President Biden's decision as a candidate and now as president to say if there's a vacancy and now that there is a vacancy – uh, the promise was, I'm going to pick a black woman as my nominee. We'll figure out who that person could be at some point down the road, but what everyone needs to know is it will be these two characteristics, a black woman, to the exclusion of everyone else. And some people, critics, have said, that, well, I mean, that's just like promising discrimination on the basis of race and sex in the name of progress and diversity. Is that a good thing? My question was, is that the right way to start a search? by announcing we're going to do these two things first, you know, genitalia and skin color, and then that will be our pool, and everyone else need not apply. And Juan sort of got uh, a little bit, um, you know, upset with me, pushed back, maybe not upset, but he, he pushed back pretty hard. He said, sounds like you're saying only white men can do the job or that a black woman wouldn't be qualified. I wasn't saying that at all. I was saying some of the names being floated would be absolutely qualified people, I just don't know if it's a healthy thing for a president to say anything other than we're going to find the best person. And if that person happens to be a black woman, great, go make the case and they can celebrate you know, history being made. It just feels like the way they, they began the whole thing felt just kind of backwards to me. 
And I understand I have blind spots. I'm a white dude, right? Juan is not. You're not. I wonder what you think about this process and and this little mini controversy that's being discussed. Yeah, so uh, let's take a step back for a second because I I think, you know, you know, when, when my show was announced this week, part of the headlines was he's the youngest black man to have his own solo show. Right. And it's something that is, you know, something that's very real to my community. Um, you know, but I'm also the youngest person, too. You see what I'm saying? And so I never want to be judged based on, you know, my race or, you know, of course, obviously, Jen, I'm a man, um, you know, with with my accomplishment. And I never want there to be this cloud on what I do based on my identity. But I will say this. Um all of them do it when it comes to this race and gender thing. You know, when RGB died, Trump said he was going to appoint a woman. And that's how you got Amy Coney Baird. Uh, when Thurgood Marshall retired, Clarence Thomas came in. And it was for a reason, because, you know, a black man did it. was only one black man. And so I think there is something that we still haven't gotten past identity. I think... Acknowledging who you are as a black person, I think the shared experience or any other race or gender, I think that is important to talk about, that, to understand each other. I don't think any of us are colorblind that, and I think it's ignorant when people say that, as I said on the Will Cain podcast. But I, I think we do have to get to a place soon in society, or we're just going to destroy ourselves, where we start to judge people based on their resume. Um, my identity is a part of me. It's not right. all of me. Um, and I don't think people should be getting the job just based on that. Is that what the president is doing? I don't know. But what I will say is that when you have people that when they do get the job and you have checked all these identity po- uh, boxes and they don't bear much fruit, it becomes very problematic. Yeah, and look, I uh, points well taken. And it's true that it's not it's like not novel in our politics that people think about these things. I guess it's just like the explicit nature of it rather than it being kind of obvious and part of the internal deliberation. It's just out there in the open saying we are going to pick someone who is X and Y and that's it. No one else is going to get it based on identity stuff. And you can make the case that it's long overdue. I think there's uh, you know, definitely a case to be made on that front. It's just saying, to me, the start of the search with these as your first criteria, it just struck me the wrong way. And it's funny that you brought up the example of your show and the way that it was announced. I gave a hypothetical example to Juan in our discussion yesterday, which was, let's say when I got this radio show a couple of years ago, Fox had put out a press release before I was named. They said, there's an opening in the Fox radio lineup, and we're going to fill it, and we are going to have a gay person be on the radio. And we'll get back to you on who that is. And then they came and picked me, because it's sort of a small pool at Fox. And, okay, then it's the Guy Benson show. And it's like, okay, uh, is that the way that I would want to know what their thought process was. It's like, okay, the 10 o'clock slot on Fox News Channel Saturday night is open. We are going to have a very exciting programming announcement, and we're going to tell you a black person is going to get the show. I just feel like that would be super weird. Right. (laughs) And honestly, not to brag on the bosses, but but that's all... That's almost the model right there. I mean, you know, for all the crap that they give us uh, 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 
at Fox, when it comes to diverse points of views and diverse people, we're the best at it. I mean, it, it is truly a place where anybody can come and work. And the, the problem, you're exactly right, you, you, you touched on it right there. The problem is not a uh, announcing that you have this person of color yes. or there's a woman right. to get the job. That, I mean, that, that's amazing. We, we celebrate those moments. But to set that as the guideline, I think, quite frankly, is illegal. I think it's illegal. I don't think you really can do that. I think we have something uh, that, that has been adjudicated, uh, adjudicated between the, the Supreme Court to say you just can't hire somebody based on their identity. I mean, Harvard is going through a whole thing right now That's right. where they start, started to restrict Asian Americans from getting into school just because they said, well, there's too much. So let's, let's, you are already a lot of you guys there, so we're going to start giving these scholarships and admission to other people. I mean, that's just wrong. Yeah, I think I think you're right, and we could maybe get a legal expert on the show. What he's done, the criteria we're gonna announcing ahead of time, like specific characteristics, like racial characteristics or the sex of the person, probably illegal in a lot of settings. Probably not illegal in this particular setting, but it does raise questions. Well, if it's so discriminatory as to be illegal here. Is that a good way to go about a presidential lifetime appointment over here? I think that's a fair conversation to have. And obviously it's a delicate one, and there's you know nuance and contours to it. And it's the type of thing that you can speak to and will speak to on your show every weekend. Saturday nights, 10 p.m. Eastern, Lawrence Jones Cross Country. He'll be out in the field. He'll be in the studio tackling a wide range of issues from very serious to more lighthearted. Lawrence, congratulations on the new show. Can't wait to see how it goes. And we'll have to have you back as the show gets its sea legs and talk about how it's going. Thanks, brother. I appreciate it. Tell Adam I said hello. All right. I appreciate that. Go get him. Break a leg. Not literally. That's Lawrence Jones on The Guy Benson Show. Catch him Saturday, 10 p.m., Fox News Channel. We'll be right back. The Guy Benson Show. More next. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to Tyrus and Tim. Like, I don't believe in government-instituted drivers. No, you as a libertarian, drivers I think it's annoy a joke. you. Like, who's the government to say if you can drive or not? Like, okay, listen, for example, I have a driver's license. I got lucky on that test. I haven't driven in five years, and I still have the license. Let's make it six. I could still get behind the wheel. Not my truck. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Back on the Guy Benson Show, President Biden headed to Pennsylvania, and wouldn't you know it, some of the top Democrats in the state of Pennsylvania who are on the ballot this year just can't find the time to show up and be a part of the president's infrastructure event in Pittsburgh. Just like Stacey Abrams uh, just couldn't find the time, right? She had a big schedule conflict. And Biden was down there to yell about Jim Crow and all that nonsense. Well, similar effect. Other Democrats who aren't on the ballot, they're making it, apparently. They're showing up, but the ones who are up for election in 2022, oh, schedule conflict. It's like permanent schedule conflicts around Joe Biden, because right now, politically, he's toxic. New from the Fox News Podcasts Network. My name is Kennedy, and welcome to my podcast, which will, I humbly say, single-handedly save the world. You're welcome. It's Kennedy Saves the World. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. 
city in the world. Unconventional talk from a fresh, unconventional conservative. Guy Benson Show. A brand new hour on the Guy Benson Show. Our middle of three hours between 3 and 6 p.m. Eastern Time every weekday. GuyBensonShow.com That's our website. Podcast free on demand each and every day, including Saturday and Sunday bonus Benson. GuyBensonShow.com. Fox News alert. Stocks soaring at the end of the trading day and the big surge ending with a big day. The Dow closes up 565 points to 34,725. And that's it for the trading week up on Wall Street. So a couple things I wanted to bring to your attention on the schools front. And this one you just can't even make up. We told you yesterday about Prince George's County in Maryland, where the school CEO said she's going to want to mask kids forever. That was not her direct quote, but she said she's not thinking about mask-free classrooms. The only off-ramp that would satisfy her was the elimination of COVID completely, which she admitted will never happen, so this is the way it's going to be. Masking forever. That's Prince George's County. In Maryland. Then there's Montgomery County, Maryland, right nearby, and they have made an announcement. They're very excited about this. An opportunity for parents because they're in virtual learning. Right? When Biden's like, well, 90 something percent of the schools are, there are still thousands and thousands and thousands of children all across the country who are in failed remote learning due to COVID. Two years into this thing, it's just unconscionable. So Montgomery County is one of them. These are almost 100% all in very deep blue areas run by teachers unions and uh, liberal Democrats and reinforced by, you know, a group of neurotics. So in Montgomery County, they've offered this headline in their press release. In-person equity hubs available for students in virtual learning due to school closures. MCPS is providing in-person equity hubs for kindergarten through fifth grade students in schools that have transitioned to virtual learning. Virtual learning may pose a challenge for families whose children need a safe place to learn while their parents work and cannot access virtual learning from home or who need more structured learning environments. The Black and Brown Coalition and the Children's Opportunity Fund have partnered with child care providers to establish equity hubs As a solution, I love this ridiculous term, equity hubs. Families whose children are engaged in virtual learning can now register for all-day child care and support during virtual instruction at one of 103 equity hubs across Montgomery County. For more information, please contact your child's school or counselor. So if I'm understanding this correctly, they're in virtual learning because the schools are closed because the school teachers and the union, they don't want to work. They don't want to show up. They're all super scared of COVID and all the non-science nonsense that we've seen now for the last year and a half plus in a lot of places. And these are the, these are the bitter clingers who are going to cling to the ability not to show up for work till the very end, no matter how much they hurt these kids. And so the school district saying, well, our solution to that 
is we're going to create places where these students can come together and gather and learn in person but virtually with childcare. So what they're describing is school. Okay? Everyone can come for the day to a place where the kids get together and they're supervised while they are instructed virtually, but there will be adults providing that structure and that supervision. That's school, just without the teachers showing up to do their jobs. I mean, this is, I I don't even know what to say about this. Like, how about this? Like, oh, some, even some of these left-wing parents are getting frustrated. What do we do? I've got an idea. Why don't we take school, get rid of in-person teaching, put the word equity in it, and have that? What if they just call schools equity hubs? Maybe in some of these woke left-wing places, you can rename schools equity hubs altogether, and then if you talk about you know closing schools, then you're closing equity hubs, and therefore you're against equity, and God forbid. Maybe that'll keep the schools open if the teachers feel like if they don't show up, they're against equity. Maybe that'll be enough incentive. Not harming kids, that's not enough of an incentive. Not making sure the kids have a good education with crucial in-person learning, that's not enough of an incentive. But maybe not getting, you know crosswise with the woke crowd that might do the trick equity hubs i mean you you can't make it up then you have this i don't know how these news stories get approved but yahoo news because they have one of their uh i think big correspondents at yahoo news maybe at the white house is this total left-wing hack he he spends all of his time attacking ron desantis His question for Biden at the press conference, like, are you worried that Republicans might weaponize school closures? If only Biden had thought of equity hubs, that could have been his answer. That's what's going on over at Yahoo News. One of their other correspondents wrote a piece, headline, how Los Angeles became the national leader for keeping schools open. (laughs) The gaslighting is hardcore right now, everyone. Jen Psaki's out there blaming Florida for not using the slush fund money enough to keep schools open, even though their schools have been open in Florida since August of 2020. But that's the example singled out for not doing the thing properly by the White House. I mean, th- th- we, we covered that earlier in the week. That's some hardcore gaslighting. I mean, this gas that's in the air, I'm getting lightheaded. Here you have a major news organization saying that Los Angeles has become the national leader for keeping schools open. Oh, I almost cursed. I almost said a word I'm not allowed to say right there. Nonsense. What, what are they talking about? Like you've had schools open in a lot of places in this country since August, September 2020. Los Angeles closed their schools. Los Angeles, California closed their schools in March of 2020. They were closed in March, April, 
May, June, then the entire following academic year, there were closed schools in Los Angeles. August, September, October, November, December, January, February, March, April, May, June. They finally decided to get back to some in-person schooling sort of as, as across the board this academic year. In late 2021, and because they haven't shut down again, you have news organizations out there being like, whoa, look at Los Angeles. Now a national leader for keeping schools open. No, if you keep your schools closed for a year and a half, you don't get to be called a national leader on the front of keeping schools open. I think there's some revisionism in real time happening now because the left is realizing how much they've overplayed their hand. There's pieces in the Times and the San Francisco Chronicle and the Atlantic and NPR about school masking. Maybe it's not such a great idea. Oh, you think? We've only been saying that for months, guys. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. I'm Guy Benson. We are back. It's the Guy Benson Show. Just a few notes that I want to bring to you, a few points to make. We had the conversation yesterday with Juan. We spoke with Lawrence Jones earlier about President Biden's decision to prioritize, first and foremost, sex and race for his Supreme Court pick and then going from there. Right. So you have to be these two things. No one else is going to be considered. Is that really what progress looks like? And we know You can bank on it. You can absolutely count on it that once the nominee has been named throughout the rest of the process, the confirmation debate, the hearings, all of it, the Democrats are going to go over the top talking about the identity of this woman and the historic nature of the pick and all of that. Fine. But I would point out some of the cynicism here. And Mike Davis made this point on Twitter yesterday of the Article 3 project. He wrote, for nearly two years, Senate Democrats, including Joe Biden, filibustered the nomination of then-California Supreme Court Justice Janice Rogers Brown to the D.C. Circuit. She likely would have been the first black female justice. Democrats, he writes, only pretend to care about diversity. Janice Rogers Brown, as he pointed out, was blocked for almost two years by this newly pioneered obstruction tactic by the Senate Democrats under George W. Bush, which they then got rid of, by the way, when the Republicans started to use it against Barack Obama. They hate their own tactics being used against them. So then they blew up the filibuster on judges, which they then said that they regretted, and then they didn't regret it anymore, and then they wanted to protect the legislative filibuster, and then almost all of them voted to get rid of it. Like, this is how it always goes with them. Absolute cynicism and fleeting political gain. Like, that is what they are guided by. Power and expediency. But back when they were using the filibuster, abusing the filibuster in a way that had never been used before to block conservative judges from being put on the bench by President Bush, one of the people that they targeted hardest and longest was Janice Rogers Brown, a conservative member of the California Supreme Court. And they did it 
for reasons that were obviously political. And they didn't care about diversity. They didn't care that she was a strong black woman who was highly qualified. They were playing politics. So when the nominee is announced and they're trumpeting all this stuff about her identity, just remember Janice Rogers Brown and how little they cared about those things with her because she didn't think the right way, therefore she was dangerous and had to be blocked. And if you think that I'm being unfair to them, listen to this. During that same era, during that same period of time, there was a man named Miguel Estrada, who was Hispanic. He was a nominee for an influential court and was largely seen to be a rising star who could likely be selected by President Bush should there be an opening for the Supreme Court and become the first Latino ever on the court. And, of course, the Democrats did not want that, not from a Republican, not from a conservative. That's not allowed. So they filibustered him month after month after month, and they killed vote after vote after vote on Miguel Estrada because they could. Because they hadn't blown up the filibuster for judges yet. That came when it was useful for them to do that. And it was revealed because there were internal strategy memos that leaked within the Democrats. You know, Chuck Schumer and Dick Durbin, a lot of these same people still around. This wasn't that long ago. They wrote in their strategy memo that they were going to do everything that they could to block Miguel Estrada because they were worried that he was being groomed for the Supreme Court, so they didn't want that. And, just quoting directly, because he is Latino, they realized that their identity obsession could be turned on its head by a Republican president with some of these history-making nominees, and so they decided to defeat them and filibuster them because of their skin color, because of their identity, plus their ideology. I mean, it's amazing. They put it in writing that they were blocking him, and they filibustered him for so long that he finally said, this is an imposition on my family. I need to earn a living. My whole life has been put on hold, and he withdrew his name because the Democrats were not going to relent. So they won. They won that round. And then a few years later, as, oh, Sonia Sotomayor, the first Hispanic justice, look at this history, the wise Latina, isn't this amazing? I mean, if you can sense my anger, like the cynicism absolutely drives me nuts. This is the type of thing that radicalized me on judicial nominations and that whole process that has been so aggressively abused by the Democratic Party for their own power, and just chewing people up and spitting them out with no regard for qualifications or anything like that. It was all about control and power and using what they had available to them to stop specifically people of color who were conservative from advancing in this realm. It's disgusting. And then when they're the ones who are in charge, when they're the ones who are in power and they get to do it, they have these hosannas and celebrations like aren't we so progressive and amazing the republicans don't do this they're just a bunch of white men let's not talk about the ones that we blocked because of their skin color it's just some really really shameful stuff and it's relevant right now newly relevant again it won't have any bearing i don't think on the confirmation process coming up at scotus but it's context and color that i want you to have Because it's part of the picture. 
and I don't want them to get away with that. One more note on issues related to race and democratic cynicism and democratic lies. I saw a poll from Quinnipiac in Georgia, which is uh, very ugly for Biden and the Democrats. One of the items in the poll showed that 45% of black voters in Georgia believe that it will be very or somewhat difficult for them to vote this year. Right? They've been lied to, I mean, for years, about voter suppression. All oh, these Republicans want to take away your right to vote. They're suppressing your ability to vote. And usually this is a turnout booster for Democrats. They scare people. And they say, you've got to come out and defy these racists trying to suppress your vote. And turnout comes up because of the demagoguery, because of the lying. But they've been lying so hard for so long and so loudly about the new law. You can't even drink water if you're in line to vote. It's like all this crazy stuff. The truth is, it will be very easy to vote in Georgia this year. Much easier than it has been even in the somewhat recent past. Weeks of early voting, drop boxes, all this stuff. But because Stacey Abrams and Joe Biden and all these Democrats lie, lie, lie about it, now you have almost half of the black people in Georgia who have been told and have been led to believe that it will be hard for them to vote. Now, maybe that will play out the same way as it has in the past, and they'll just show up in bigger numbers anyway to fight the made-up suppression. Or you might get just a sliver of those people decide and you know believe it enough, saying, you know what, let's just stay home. It's not going to be worth it. They've already told us how hard it's going to be. We don't really love Biden that much anyway. It's a midterm, whatever. We're going to stay home. And they might end up suppressing their own vote through their lies about suppression, which would be some form of poetic justice. And it reminds me of what happened in Georgia last year with the Republicans, where there were a bunch of lies that suppressed their own vote, and they lost. Maybe it's Democrats' turn to suffer a similar fate in Georgia. We shall see. The Guy Benson Show continues next. Bill Malugin with a report from the border that you do not want to miss. It is stunning. That's straight ahead. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The One with Craig Gutfeld, the co-host of The Five, like you've never heard him before. You know him, you love him, you want to be like him. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Talking about the issues you care about, Guy Benson. We're back. It's The Guy Benson Show. Happy Friday. Thanks for listening. GuyBensonShow.com podcast always free with us now is bill malugin national correspondent here at fox news and he is in la jolla texas bill good to have you back yeah glad to be back thanks for having me i have been watching your reports and your tweets and some of these videos that you've been capturing in the last couple of days and i mean it's pretty breathtaking stuff describe for our audience if they haven't caught what you have been reporting recently get them up to speed what have you discovered sure so we've been coming down here for about these last eight months and this is the first time that we have started seeing the mass release of single adult male illegal immigrants from federal custody we've all seen before the women the children the family units being released but this has been the first week where we have seen fully grown adult men uh, with no families no kids 
uh, just being mass released by ICE. Uh, we went down to Brownsville, and we started seeing uh, dozens of men dropped off by ICE buses at a time at a random parking garage in the city of Brownsville. They get taken behind this black tarp that is set up to block public view. Then they go across the street to an NGO. The NGO helps get their travel documents in order. Then some of them have taxi cabs called for them. They go to the airport and fly wherever they want across the country. Others are walked to the bus terminal. And we watched this for two or three days in a row. Um, bus load after bus load after bus load. We saw several hundred of these men doing this. Some of them had ankle monitors on uh, as they were released into the public. Some of them were hiding their faces from our cameras. Um, then yesterday, we got a tip that there was going to be a big ice drop at San Antonio Airport. So we sent a camera crew up there, and lo and behold, an ice bus pulls up, and dozens of fully grown adult men uh, are dropped off that ice bus, and they get led into the airport by the NGO. And again, they are free to fly across the country wherever they want to go. And uh, just yesterday, I was told by an ice source that these discrete mass drops have been happening since last year, and that they have been releasing. Um, illegal immigrants with misdemeanor criminal records as well, things like assault, drunk driving, um, possession of drugs, uh, illegal reentry. And I reached out to ICE yesterday to ask about that. They did not deny it. All they said is they do these releases on a case-by-case basis. So all of what I just described was a first for us this week in almost nine months of border coverage. I mean, I'm just, I'm speechless listening to you summarize it the way that you just did, that that would even be possible. I mean, it's like a cartoon version of totally broken border enforcement and immigration enforcement policies, and yet it's it's real. I want to just linger for a moment on one thing that you said. What's the deal with these black tarps that they've set up? What's going on there? So we believe that was the city of Brownsville. So essentially, they started using this city-owned parking garage in downtown Brownsville, That's where these buses were pulling up and releasing all of the men. Some of the men were handcuffed and in chains. And then around that parking garage, they have these black tarps set up that say Border Patrol drop-off sign, do not cross. So once these men go into that parking garage, you can't see inside. So you're not able to see what's going on. They tried to black it out. We got around it by putting our drone up over it. We were able to eventually see, but the average person on the street would not be able to see in. And the city of Brownsville later confirmed to me that They are involved. Their Office of Emergency Management is working with FEMA and the feds to, as they describe it, facilitate travel for these migrants who have been released from federal custody. So they help call them taxis, help link them up with families, that sort of a thing. What is the justification for this? I mean, because I understand with the family units and the children, you have public officials out there pulling at heartstrings and saying, well, you can't just leave these kids to fend for themselves, we owe something to these families, or we have to process them because they're, you know, claiming asylum status or whatever. But they often, at least recently in the past, have hastened to add, well, these single adult men, they're getting sent back, they're, they're deported immediately. But it sounds like by the busload and by the plane load over and over again now for months, that demographic is just being released into the United States Is the Biden administration or anyone involved in this explaining why this is happening? No, they are not. And uh, to that point, we have been reaching out to DHS since yesterday morning, since we first started reporting this, especially about the release of those with misdemeanor criminal records. And our producers in D.C., uh, they've been reaching out to DHS multiple times, complete radio silence. We've heard absolutely nothing back from DHS. The only people who have responded to us are ICE, 
uh, who did confirm they have been doing these releases and said they do them on a case-by-case basis. They did not deny that people with misdemeanor criminal records uh, are being released. And when it comes to the single adults, you're right. For, for most of this crisis, uh, the American public has seen the images of the women, the children, the families, and they've gotten used to that and kind of understand that, okay, uh, you know, moms, little little kids, babies, that, that's one thing. But now with the mass release of single men, that's an entirely different image. And keep in mind, the administration has long said that they are enforcing Title 42 at the border. If you come, you'll be sent back. Don't come. Your journey will not succeed. And single adults are the ones who are primarily supposed to be targeted via Title 42. Well, uh, new DHS numbers show that just for the month of December, out of all the single adults they apprehended, only 59% of them were expelled via Title 42. No, it's, I mean, the floodgates are open. The floodgates are open. They can say whatever they want. Their actions very clearly are saying, come, and you'll have a good chance of being able to stay. And in fact, we might help get you transportation to fly you deeper into the United States, to the city of your choice. I mean, I saw one of the news packages, I believe it was on Special Report, where you or your camera crews were going up to some of these guys as they're getting from a taxi to the airport. And as they're walking in, you're asking, you know, Adonde vas? Like, where are you going? And they're like, oh, you know, Miami, Philadelphia. They're just shouting out various cities, I guess, where they have friends, where they have family. They're flying elsewhere into the American interior, and they're not just doing it without the government's knowledge, they are doing it with the help of the federal government. I I just, I'm at a loss. I don't even know what to say about this. Yeah, and and to that point, um, the ICE contact who was tipping me off about this told me that morale has never been lower for that reason. He told me that uh, he works for ICE ERO, which stands for Enforcement and Removal Operations, and that is they're the ones who are supposed to be removing illegal immigrants from the country. Instead, ICRO are the ones who are making these mass drops. And he told me everybody is just feeling super down and morale is in the toilet right now because they feel that the agency has essentially been turned into a travel coordination agency. Yeah, travel agency. And he, he, yeah, and, and, and what he told me is imagine showing up for work each day and having to make calls and coordinate travel for people who are coming here knowingly violating our laws. Some of whom have criminal records, you just said. Correct. Like, like this is not law enforcement. This is the opposite. This is, I don't want to make light of it, but it's like they are being ordered to be travel agents for illegal immigrants, including illegal immigrants who have broken a law beyond just crossing our border unlawfully and in violation of our sovereignty. They've done other things. As you mentioned, assault, DUI, that sort of thing. And our law enforcement, they are being told, you must... Your job now is to facilitate the relocation of these, in this case, single adult men, illegal immigrants, into the country, and where they want to go is where we will help send them. I, I cannot believe that this is not an exaggeration. I mean, it sort of feels, again, like it's, it's not real, or there must be some sort of catch or context that we're missing But based on everything, Bill, that you're saying and that you have gathered, and based on the total lack of response from the Biden administration, it seems like that is precisely what's happening. The surreal is, in fact, reality. Yeah, and and for instance, uh, with the lack of transparency, DHS Secretary Mayorkas was in Laredo, Texas today visiting Border Patrol. Uh, We sent a cameraman up there. Um, His public event schedule was not public um so but our cameraman was able to find him and we of course wanted to ask him some questions about this 
Um, we were not allowed to. Fox was not given any media opportunity. Our cameraman tells us uh, only one local reporter was allowed to get a quick interview with him because she submitted, uh, he or she submitted four pre-approved questions on a list. And uh, keep in mind, um, this is all, it all sounds... Approved rocky, by who? Approved by DHS? We, we don't know. DHS won't even reply to us. Uh, I've been asking where that ICE annual report is for over a week now, and I can't get anybody to reply to me. But Explain this, this that. Wait, expl- explain that piece real quick. Yeah, so uh, every year, every fiscal year, ICE has to put out their annual report, which details their enforcement actions, deportations, how many people they removed from the country, uh, that sort of a thing. So for fiscal year 21, uh, which ended on uh, September 30th, four months ago now, their report still is not out yet. And this is the first time in a decade it has not been released before the end of the calendar year. They claim it's going to come out this month, but it makes you wonder, with all these mass releases ICE has been doing, um, those deportation numbers during the worst border crisis ever are likely going to be very, very low. And remember, Secretary Mayorkas himself has said, just being in the country illegally is not grounds for being removed. That's their philosophy. And ICE's mission has been completely changed under this administration. Well, and they've gone further than that. Like, he, he's laid out in memos a bunch of different crime categories that you're allowed to get away with in addition to illegally crossing the border and still not be prioritized for deportation. I mean, it's, it's just completely backwards. And to your point earlier, Bill, you talk every day to people who signed up to help enforce our borders and protect our sovereignty and make sure that we are a nation of laws, and they are being told by this administration to do the opposite. And I just wonder, like, how is this not a massive national scandal? Like, you're talking about it. You're doing these reports. You know, Fox is covering it to a certain extent. Have you seen this story percolating anywhere else? I mean, it seems like, hey, here are busloads of single adult illegal immigrant men being bussed and put in taxis or Ubers or whatever to airports and flown all over the country with no explanation and no comment from the federal government. I mean, that seems like it would be a pretty interesting national story for a media that was curious about such things. No, you know what? Um, I've seen, you know, with the legacy media, I haven't seen them down here since the Del Rio Bridge situation. Uh, I will give News Nation credit. They sent a correspondent down here and they've dedicated him to the border. Um, so I'll, I'll give News Nation credit. They are, they are covering this. But for the most part, uh, I'll be frank with you. I feel like I'm banging my head against the wall. I mean, I've been doing this for eight or nine months straight now. I don't know what else I have to show to try to wake people up. It almost seems like half the country just wants to you know, plug their head in the ground and pretend it's not happening. I mean, I, every time I post one of these videos or something, I still get people who tweet at me and say, uh, you know, fake news, you're fabricating this, there's no mass releases, this isn't happening. It's like, just look, look with your eyes. That's why I try to post so many videos. Rather than me saying something, I'd rather right. show it, if show that it. makes sense. Yeah, because even then they won't believe it if they're ideologically disinclined to believe things or or frankly i think some of these people just support what's happening but they realize most average people would not support it so they decide to look away and tell other people that it's not true and not happening sort of just a hardcore gaslighting and maybe the gaslighting is is working to the extent that very few people are covering this issue set at the moment let's stop there for just a second take a quick break when we come back more with bill malugin national correspondent for fox news down at the southern border stay with us the guy benson show more next 
With Fox News Podcasts Plus, you can enjoy all your favorite Fox News podcasts without commercials. Subscribe now at foxnewspodcasts.com. We're back. It's the Guy Benson Show. Bill Malugin is with us from the border, national correspondent for Fox News. He's down there. And, Bill, I wanted to talk about one other thing with you. You said that much of the rest of the mainstream media, legacy media, news media, they were all down there when you had that crisis with all those Haitian nationals, right, who had come up from other countries where they had already gotten uh, protection, right, and they'd been granted asylum status, but their goal, of course, was to come to America. So many of them just abandoned those documents and then tried to claim asylum status in the United States. And you had that huge number of Haitian nationals under the bridge and and all those dramatic pictures. So the media said, OK, you know, here's an interesting hook on the border crisis. Let's get back down there. And what emerged from that episode was the whole completely made up scandal of the Border Patrol agents supposedly whipping these people. When that was not what happened at all, it was reins on horses. They were controlling horses, not whipping any human beings. There were no whips at all. And yet that became sort of the talking point for a news cycle or two that really the problem was our law enforcement officers abusing these migrants and the President of the United States accused them of wrongdoing and smeared them with the whipping lie and said that there was going to be investigation and they were going to be made to pay. These were promises that Biden made. I just saw a report this week that the Biden administration has offered no indication whatsoever on whether or not that investigation has happened or is happening or has been concluded, and they may not ever release the results of it. I just don't know how that's acceptable. Given the fact that they launched the smear, they promised accountability, and now because their smears perhaps have fallen apart, they're just going to say, well, never mind, we're not going to get into that? What's your understanding of the status quo there? Well, that's what I've heard as well. And I've been asking, where is this report? And remember, when it happened, Mayorkas said, this will be done in days, not weeks. That was his exact quote. Well, here we are, you know, <laughs> over four months later, and it's still not done. But, uh, Guy, you have to ask yourself, you know, why is this not being asked about more? When, when is the last time anybody other than Fox News has asked about the border during one of these press briefings? I honestly can't remember. Yeah, I, mean, I think it's because most of the media is populated. I mean, it's just a cynical truth. Most of the media is populated by liberal, progressive Democrats who, if anything, are more activist than even your standard issue Democrat, and they don't want to cause problems on this. They kind of support illegal immigration. They think it's unseemly to criticize illegal immigration. They feel like it might be a little bit racist. It's a Republican issue. It's a Fox News issue. And therefore, it's sort of out of bounds, and they don't want to go there unless they really, really have to. I mean, that's my working thesis. If you think I'm wrong, feel free to jump in. Well, I'll tell you one thing. There's a lot of Democrats who live here in South Texas, a very blue area. You talk to the people living here, doesn't matter if they're Democrat, Republican, or in the middle, they all have a problem with what's going on here. And there's a reason why McGowan just elected a Republican mayor for the first time in decades. There's a reason why parts of South Texas are starting to slowly turn red. People are not happy with what's going on under this administration uh, right now because it is not secure down here. There are people who literally, where I am right now in La Jolla, there are neighborhoods that that butt up right to the brush, 
where all these runners come through every single day. So people have to worry every morning. Is there going to be somebody running down my alley, hiding under my car? Is there going to be a border patrol helicopter above my house waking me up? This is something people have to deal with every single day. The border crisis is not just a wall in some sand out in the middle of the desert. This pushes up in heavily populated areas. And again, it affects every state in this country because of the amount of fentanyl pouring in as well. Well, and also just the fact that even if someone wakes up and there's people in their yard and there's officials and helicopters and everything, let's say they apprehend some of these folks. It sounds like there's a decent chance, even if it's just a single male who has no right to be here whatsoever, no excuse of a kid or any of that emotional stuff. There's a good chance that that person will get put on a bus by the federal government, sent to an airport, and then flown to some other place in the country, which is another reason why it affects not just people down at the border, but folks who live elsewhere, because there are people being flown in, illegal immigrants, to just sort of restart their lives there and maybe show up one day for a court date, maybe not. And that seems to be standard operating procedure now under this administration. It's just absolutely mind-blowing. Bill Malugin, we've got to leave it there for now. Thank you for continuing to shine a light on this. Uh, it's, it's vital reporting. It is a massive story. Even if other people don't want to cover it, we're glad that you are. National correspondent here at Fox News down in La Jolla, Texas today. Bill, thank you. Thanks, guys. Talk to you soon. It's The Guy Benson Show. We'll be right back. Living the Bream is a podcast hosted by Fox News Channel's Shannon Bream, sharing inspirational stories, personal anecdotes, and an insider's perspective on actions and rulings from the high court. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. It's 5 o'clock in the most powerful city in the world, Washington, D.C. It's time for the Guy Benson Show Happy Hour, sponsored by the Finnish Long Drink. Finland's most popular alcoholic beverage has come to America. Visit thelongdrink.com. And now, here's your host, Guy Benson. It's the Friday happy hour on the Guy Benson Show, and we are so glad to have you here with us. Just one more hour till the weekend, and of course you want to spend it right here. GuyBensonShow.com is our website. If you can't listen live, which you should, if possible, 3 to 6 p.m. Eastern every weekday, there's a podcast on demand, totally free, the whole show every day. And bonus Benson on the weekends. GuyBensonShow.com, FoxNewsPodcast.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. And this hour is sponsored by the Finnish Long Drink. I plan to have one tonight since it's the weekend. It is really good. Many of you have learned how good it is, and I encourage more of you to try if you haven't already. Expanding even further across the country very soon, thelongdrink.com, thelongdrink.com. Always drink responsibly, 21 plus only. Joining us now is Kat Timpf for Fridays with Kat. She's a Fox News contributor, co-host of Gutfeld, 11 p.m. Eastern, Monday through Friday on Fox News Channel, and co-host of the Tyrus and Timph podcast. Kat, welcome back. Hey, so great to be here. It's so good to have you. It was fun to do Gutfeld this week. It was a fun show. Absolutely. Yeah, Enjoyed absolutely. being uh, invited back. Always appreciate that. I want to ask you about one of the things that you have done on that show, because I had my first, I guess, baptism into Gutfeld sketch comedy. Yes, this week on Tuesday, you do it regularly, and you have some characters. Of course. One of whom 
is the Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi. Yes. So just as a reminder for the folks, uh, this is what Nancy Pelosi sounds like. Cut 21. As you hear me say, when you're in the arena, you have to be able to take a punch or throw a punch for the children. Take or throw a punch <laughs> for your children. And then she... You can only sort of glean so much from the voice. There's also just the whole aesthetic. There's there's a look, there's a vibe about Nancy Pelosi, and you capture it. This is your impression on Gutfeld. <laughs> Cut 22. When I first announced I'd be running for Congress, I raised a lot of eyebrows, specifically my own, four inches above my face. What keeps me coming back like a looter to his favorite Walgreens? The children. The children. The children, the children, the children. Cap, the children stuff is kind of creepy. It really is. It's incredibly creepy. Um, also, that's probably my least favorite impression to do, uh, just because it hurts. Because it's, it it's hurts. physically painful. Yeah, exactly. It hurts. I don't mean emotionally. It physically hurts my face to do it. Um, like I think I was explaining this to you actually. This one was probably my favorite version of it because I actually, when she gets unplugged and then she gets rebooted, I yes. actually, <laughs> I had a break. Where I could blink my eyes um, because, you know, when I'm opening my eyes that wide, tears start to well up in my eyes and I can't act, like I actually start to cry. Um, the Warren one is tough on my voice. I've lost like w- that first Warren one we ever did, which is like a full sketch right before COVID hit. And it was like, it was sort of raspy. Like, hey, yeah, se- several minutes long. I lost my voice the day after I did that. But the eyes, I mean, I, like between takes, I just have tears streaming from my face. I think I sent you a photo of that. Like, well, yeah, because I texted kidding. you because yeah. I was watching some of the show with Adam and you did your Pelosi impression and you looked so different. <laughs> Good. I'm so glad. I was laughing. I was laughing and Adam's like, who is that? Like, That's Kat. <laughs> like, you, have you met Kat? You're at her wedding. He's like, that is not Kat. I'm like, no, I swear that is Kat. So I texted you. And you text me back, you're like, yeah, this is physically painful to yeah. do this impression. And then you sent the photo of like this giant tear yeah. streaming down your face because it builds up. Because what, you, you try not to blink at all? Yeah, I raise my eyebrows up and I keep my face pretty much completely paralyzed. And, you know, she like curls her lip like over. You never see teeth, really. Or, or you don't see top teeth, especially. And it's just like having your face in that position for an extended period of time and trying to talk and focus on doing the impression. My, I just start to cry. Do you have to do multiple takes to get it right, or you just like bang it out? Um, it, it, it usually we do a couple for safety. It depends. I mean, it's, it's sometimes I get the giggles, and sometimes I just like I can't. There's a tear falling out of my face. Yeah, we have to stop. Cut, cut. We'll start again. <laughs> Is that like how do you decide when you're going to do the impression? You've done Pelosi before. Yeah. Like how much studying of tape do you do? Like a like an NFL quarterback where you're in the tape room for hours on end perfecting the intricacies of an impression, like what's your actual process? Yeah, so I've never had any training in this at all. Um, and I didn't even know I could do it until I agreed to do the Warren thing uh, the first time, which me and Greg both wrote that. And I was like, sure. I just watched, I just watched like videos on YouTube of them giving speeches, videos of them in interviews. That's what I've done for police. Right, you mentioned that because I asked you the same question yeah. about Warren, mm-hmm. but it, your process is the same. You just go online, you watch them talk a lot. And then obviously you can't, do everything you I, well, I would guess you like focus on a handful of I guess characteristics or inclinations that you notice that jump out at you and just stick with those exactly yeah I'll watch a bunch of it like you know like with the first time I'll I'm gonna do an impression I'll watch a bunch of tape and I will you know to kind of get a vibe for it but also I'll kind of look like are there specific things that, you know, stand out like Warren's hand movements or like, uh, you know, Jen Saki with her little hair, you know, little hair move with her finger that she does. And I'll kind of lean into those. 
And um, but then I pretty much have only ever done that once when I've done each when I'm first learning each character. Has there ever been an impression where Greg has come to you saying it'd be really funny if you could do this person and you studied and you tried and it just wasn't working so you scrapped it i always just i'm like i can do it and i'll just do it i mean i had no okay. idea i could even do this and the, the fun i remember we were really sad when kamala was the vp pick so i was like i can't do that one obviously no no you don't <laughs> want to try that one don't and want to try that so one. did you ever see what we did with that where like he says he's interviewing kamala but it's a toaster and it's just no. it's just me <laughs> talking as myself like no impression obviously and like that's the joke that i obviously can't do kamala but for that one it's like <laughs> I'll, it's my voice and we'll do an interview just like on the set before we film the show but like actually in one of the pods like where you know people like go to film segments they just they shoot a bunch of tape of a toaster sitting in that little chair <laughs> which I've always think would be so funny if like somebody was going up there to do a hit you know like somebody's about to be on the five and it's like sorry there's just like a toaster <laughs> there's a toaster it's right taken here. that pod is taken sorry it's like and then they see there's just a, a literally a toaster just sitting in that chair <laughs> I think yeah. that the immediate conclusion would be it has to do with Gutfeld. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, people see all kinds of stuff. I mean, there was one time where I was supposed to be like, uh, you know, coming into work looking like super, like a super horrible, like alcoholic who hadn't slept. So I was walking around in pajamas. Wait, with so like, like, ha ha, I'm an alcoholic, day. LOL. Ha ha yeah. ha. No, but like in pajamas with like <laughs> makeup masked up all over my face. And like uh, my hair teased and like no extensions, obviously. And I'm walking around with like a fifth of whiskey. And every time I'm doing something like that, without fail, I run into like one of the VPs at this company. Yeah, like, like a I, executive. Yeah, I never. Another time when I was dressed up as like the goth, a goth cheerleader, where I'm like fishnets and black lipstick. Whenever I'm dressed like a complete lunatic for a sketch, I don't see them any other time. Not when I look nice. I only ever see like the head honchos of Fox News right. when I look <laughs> literally insane. <laughs> like, you're playing a prostitute. You're like. Yeah. Oh, hi Rupert. Yes, hi, absolutely. Rupert. Good to see you. This is uh, yeah. This is someone that you employ. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so that's like, fun. Thank you. Yeah, and that was crazy. Like literally, I looked like absolutely like you dragged me in off the street, even more than normal. And I'm carrying a fifth of whiskey that w- well, with some missing. There was some missing in the bottle. <laughs> well, you have to be in character, obviously. Yeah. You're, just, you're an artist. Kat. You're an artist, and there has to be some Method realism. Method acting on that. Right yeah. on that exact point, I'm going to go way out on a limb and assume. That you did not do Dry January? No, 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 no. Because producer Christine actually has done it. Really? Yeah, I'm as shocked as you are. It's ending tonight, actually. I gave her permission to end a few nights early because, and I want to get your ruling on this, Judge Cat. I said it's okay for you, because last year she made it 11 days and gave Uh, up. Uh, This year I said, I think you're going to do it. She had COVID and was super sick, so her last drink was at Christmas. So I was saying, you get to count those days in oh, December. Oh, yes. You did a dry month. Don't let, yes. don't let like, the, the establishment of big dry January tell you the way that you need to do your dry January. The whole thing is a sober month. You yep. did a sober month. Rip it up, Christine. Yeah, she's going to tonight. And yeah. So I think her, her very, very high tolerance has probably decreased a bit. So take it easy tonight, Christine, but enjoy yourself. You know, have a designated driver. Make sure, you know, Bobby's on alert and all that. So you're not into dry January. No, I a did a dry Thursday. Are. I didn't drink yesterday. Oh, well, congratulations. That's <laughs> heroic. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. But there's actually discussion about whether or not this trend, which I guess is uh, particularly popular among our generation, millennials, is it hurting bars and alcohol retailers? I mean, in New Jersey, Christine has basically decimated that industry for the last month by not imbibing. But it seems like there are enough people doing this in our society that it's making an appreciable 
difference for really? people who sell alcohol. Yes. Ugh. Do you take that as a challenge to try to make up for those people? I mean, sure. I mean, look. For, for, the, for businesses and for the children. The, like, yeah, for the kids. I drink for the kids, you know? <laughs> Not with kids. I don't know any kids. Right. Those bartenders have kids. They got kids. They have kids. to support. They have to feed their kids. And, you know, uh, who am I to, you know, say that their children should starve? Mm-hmm. Yeah, this, I mean, I, once again, I think we've established twice now that you really are a hero. Kat. I am. A hero. I, I'm a hero, but I don't really like, I don't really like Talk to go around it. and say that because I'm also very humble. <laughs> um, so even though I'm definitely the changing humble. the world, changing lives, I mean, I've changed the trajectory of so many lives throughout America for the better just by being mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't like to talk about it because it's my humility is, is one of my many amazing traits. Yeah, I, I would say your humility is exceptional. Yes. Yes, and you fully agree. I will crush anyone in a humility off. You also mentioned on the air the other night uh, how good-looking you are. Yeah. <laughs> did, oh, yes, I did, actually. Yeah, several times. I think you fact-checked I that. I fact-checked Greg. I mean, it was as part of a fact-check, right? Because I'm also very, very, uh, very learned, right? Mm-hmm. So yes. uh, he said that, you know, you don't, of to, books. you don't have to wear a mask. Uh, you know, if you're really good looking, no one's going to stop you. I'm like, that's not true. So people have told me to put a mask on before, and I'm incredibly, just mind-blowingly hot. Right. So I know that that's not true. And that's part of your exceptional humility in its own heroic way. We're so proud of you. We're so grateful for you. I want to change topics completely to weather when we come back with Cat Timp, Fridays with Cat on The Guy Benson Show. The Guy Benson Show. More next. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. Download and listen to Everyone Talks to Liz. Fox Business's Liz Clayman talks with entrepreneurs and executives about inspiring and motivational stories. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Welcome back. Happy Hour. Guy Benson Show. We have with us Kat Timp. And I want to ask you, Kat, you're from Michigan. Yes. Uh, you talk about this a lot. That's that's some cold country it's in the winter. It's very cold, yeah. So they do some uh, some snow removal stuff up there every winter. There's, I guess, allegedly a blizzard coming into New York in the next uh, couple days here. Although, have you said <laughs> these estimates are crazy. It's like New York might get two inches or 20 inches. I that's a very wide range that they're giving for the city. But are you a snow person? What do you do in preparation for blizzards? I'm just curious what your position is on snow. I, I don't think we've talked about this. I hate snow. Oh. I hate it. I hate it. And I will have stern words with those who love it because I just want to know why. It's, it's, it's chunks of cold death falling from the sky. I think it looks and, pretty. Oh, it looks so pretty. You know what's pretty? A beach in a tropical oasis. Well, it's a different kind of pretty. No, it's not. There's no such thing as different kinds of pretty. You're pretty or you're not. Okay? And snow is not pretty. Uh, it's and, and again, everyone's like, you're from Michigan. You should love. Like, it's like, shut up. Okay? If you're from New York, that means you love taxes and crime? Like, no, I don't think so. Okay? And, that, and also, that's why I hate it. In Detroit, it snows from, I don't know, like uh, October through May. I've had enough snow to last many lifetimes. And you know what? People say insane stuff to me like, hey, Kat, you want to go snowboarding? I've never even touched a snowboard. I've never been snowboarding. It'd also be weirder if I'd never been snowboarding, but I had touched many a snowboard. I don't do winter sports. I am from a solidly middle-class family. We don't do skiing. We don't go to the lodge. We don't have lodge money growing up. You know, I bet you Kennedy could take you snowboarding, and that would be fun. 
You know what I did as a child? You know what the you know what our snow sport was? Shoveling. Go outside. There it is. Roll around in it. <laughs> snow angel. That's a sport. All right. I might not know how to do skiing, but I can roll around in the snow better than anyone. This is explaining even more your intense <laughs> hatred of Santa. You hate Santa. I hate Santa. You hate snow. I'm no, just but hearing snow, that you. No, there's nothing we can do about Santa. We can. We can and should. And I would say must cancel Santa. Okay, we need to we need to pause the Santa hate because we, I think we have a quota of one anti Santa segment a year on the show. Oh, I'm sorry. Really I'd like to trouble. rebrand anti Santa. Santa is pro honesty to children, <laughs> anti lying to kids. Oh, okay, whom are who they place our trust in us and we band together to lie to them. Yes, I am anti that. Well, there's there's no lying happening about magical, wonderful Santa. In case we have any kids listening. And we're not going to rehash it, Kat. We're not doing it. Last question I want to play because you have... We talk a lot about your cat, Cheens. Not yes. so much about your dog, yes. who is a bulldog, right? Yes, Carl. Okay, so Carl is a bulldog. I don't know if you saw the clip of the governor of West Virginia, Jim Justice, who also has a bulldog. I think it's a different breed of bulldog. Nevertheless, he had a state-of-the-state state address, and he brought the bulldog... To the podium oh, yeah. for prop comedy because he wanted to clap back at all the people that were dumping on West Virginia because people were mad at Joe Manchin for not voting with the Democrats on stuff. So everyone was out there trashing West Virginia and making all the sort of typical bigoted, lazy jokes about that state. And the governor uh, had had enough of it. And he said this in Cut 20. And so from that standpoint, baby dog tells Bette Midler and all those out there... Kiss her honey. <laughs> so he held the dog up, but facing the audience. Nice. And instructed Bette Midler to kiss his dog's ass. I mean, that's what he did in his State of the State address. It went over very well. I kind of love this. Yeah, I love it too. I love it too, because bulldog butts are hilarious, because there's no cheeks. <laughs> like, even you cannot, like, there's no <laughs> cheeks. Uh, and that's why it's great. It's like, where's his butt? Oh, but it's it's not there, but it is. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, it's right just there. so funny that like dogs have little little organs inside, you know, especially brains. Like whenever my dog does something, I'm like, there's this whole like neurological pathway inside of this little creature that told him to do that. I that is literally correct. <laughs> I'm also <laughs> so, a scientist. Yeah, it's science. In addition to all of your other amazing traits, know, you I, you're an expert. Yeah. Uh, I do feel like if somehow. Some population were crazy enough to elect you to something, <laughs> and you had to give a speech like this. You would bring your cat to the podium, and when you had like maybe particularly mean things to say, you would just like duck below the podium and like take your cat's paws and yell at the people via your cat. For I some would, reason, this is the image that I have. I in absolutely my head. would, and I've got to say though, like a lot of people would never vote for me because they're scared. You know, they're weak. Uh, but if they did, if I were in charge, we'd be having a way better time as as a nation. I'm thinking president, maybe Supreme Court. I feel like, you know, I don't know if they have this thing because at a wedding, it's like speak now or forever hold your peace. If you were on the brink of getting elected and your opponent was like, hey, does anyone know Kat who wants to say something? <laughs> I feel like it's like an, an anonymous tip line uh, for friends and family. I feel like people might leave a few voicemails expressing concerns. They'd express... But in, in my America, I would not impose my crazy on anyone. I would just 
repeal all the laws except the ones that say like don't steal or murder or rape. All the other ones, I'd be like, they're done. Have at it. Let's go. Right. You'd have Jeans at the podium being like, go do whatever you want, everyone. Well, I vote for Jeans. I've appointed him for many, many a judgeship because I only vote libertarian straight down the ballot. So if there's no libertarian on the ballot, I write in Jeans Tim. Mm-hmm. Yeah, your cabinet would just be filled with, with animals. your menagerie. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> that that inspires confidence. Let's leave it there for now. We're up on a break anyway. Catch him. Fox News contributor, Nancy Pelosi impressionist, co-host of Gutfeld tonight at 11 p.m. Eastern Fox News Channel, Tyrus and Tim the podcast at foxnewspodcast.com. Thank you, Kat. Thank you. We'll be right back. The Fox News Rundown, a contrast of perspectives you won't hear anywhere else. Your daily dose of news twice a day. Featuring insight from top newsmakers, reporters, and Fox News contributors. Listen and subscribe now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Talking about the issues you care about, Guy Benson. Back on the Guy Benson Show Happy Hour. Earlier today, we caught up with Lawrence Jones, our Fox News colleague who is debuting a brand new weekend show. We asked him all about that and more. Here's my conversation with Lawrence Jones. I wonder what you think about this process and and this little mini controversy that's being discussed. Yeah, so uh, let's take a step back for a second because I, I think, you know, you know, when my show was announced this week, part of the headlines was he's the youngest black man to have his own solo show, right? And it's something that is, you know, something that's very real to my community, um, you know, but I'm also the youngest person, too. You see what I'm saying? And so I never want to be judged based on, you know, my race or, you know, of course, obviously, Jen, I'm a man, um, you know. With with my accomplishment, I never want there to be this cloud on what I do based on my identity. But I will say this: um, all of them do it when it comes to this race and gender thing. You know, when RGB died, Trump said he was going to appoint a woman, and that's how you got Amy Coney Barrett. Uh, when Thurgood Marshall retired. Clarence Thomas came in, and it was for a reason, because, you know, a black man did, it was only one black man. And so I think there is something that we still haven't gotten past identity. I think acknowledging who you are as a black person, I think the shared experience or any other race or gender, I think that is important to talk about, that to understand each other. I don't think any of us are colorblind that, and I think it's ignorant when people say that, as I said on the Will Cain podcast. But I, I think we do have to get to a place Suing in society, or we're just going to destroy ourselves, where we start to judge people based on their resume. Um, my identity is a part of me. It's not right. all of me. Um, and I don't think people should be getting the job just based on that. Is that what the president is doing? I don't know. But what I will say is that when you have people that when they do get the job – and you have checked all these identity po- uh, boxes, and they don't bear much fruit, it becomes very problematic. Yeah, and look, I uh, points well taken. 
And it's true that it's not it's like not novel in our politics that people think about these things. I guess it's just like the explicit nature of it rather than it being kind of obvious and part of the internal deliberation. It's just out there in the open saying we are going to pick someone who is X and Y and that's it. No one else is going to get it based on identity stuff. And you can make the case that it's long overdue. I think there's uh, you know, definitely a case to be made on that front. It's just saying, to me, the start of the search with these as your first criteria, it just struck me the wrong way. And it's funny that you brought up the example of your show and the way that it was announced. I gave a hypothetical example to Juan in our discussion yesterday, which was, let's say when I got this radio show a couple of years ago, Fox had put out a press release before I was named, and they said, there's an opening in the Fox radio lineup, and we're going to fill it, and we are going to have a gay person be on the radio. And we'll get back to you on who that is. And then they came and picked me, because it's sort of a small pool at Fox, and okay, then it's the Guy Benson show, and it's like, okay, uh, is that the way that I would want Right. to know what their thought process was. It's like, okay, this, the 10 o'clock slot on Fox News Channel Saturday night is open. We are going to have a very exciting programming announcement, and we're going to tell you a black person is going to get the show. I just feel like that would be super weird. Right. I, and honestly, not to brag on the bosses, but but that's all. that's almost the model right there. I mean, you know, for all the crap that they give us uh, uh, at Fox, when it comes to diverse points of views and diverse people, we're the best at it. I mean, it, it is truly a place where anybody can come and work. And the, the problem, you're exactly right, you, you, you touched on it right there. The problem is not a, a announcing that you have this person of color yes. or there's a woman right. to get the job. That, I mean, that, that's amazing. We, we celebrate those moments. But to set that as the guideline, I think, quite frankly, is illegal. I think it's illegal. I don't think you really can do that. I think we have something uh, that, that has been adjudicated, uh, adjudicated with doing the, the Supreme Court to say you just can't hire somebody based on their identity. I mean, Harvard is going through a whole thing right now That's right. where they start, started to restrict Asian Americans from getting into school just because they said, well, there's too much. So let's, let's, you are already a lot of you guys there. So we're going to start giving these scholarships and admission to other people. I mean, that's just wrong. Yeah, I think I think you're right, and we could maybe get a legal expert on the show. What he's done, the criteria we're gonna announcing ahead of time, like specific characteristics, like racial characteristics or the sex of the person, probably illegal in a lot of settings. Probably not illegal in this particular setting, but it does raise questions. Well, if it's so discriminatory as to be illegal here. Is that a good way to go about a presidential lifetime appointment over here? I think that's a fair conversation to have. And obviously it's a delicate one, and there's you know nuance and contours to it. That full interview with Lawrence Jones available in its entirety and the entire show from start to finish, on demand, free of charge, every day, plus bonus Benson on the weekends. GuyBensonShow.com, FoxNewsPodcast.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. When we come back, a big anniversary for a member of the team coming up, although has it been perhaps snowed out? We'll talk about that when we return. For the full interview and more, go to GuyBensonShow.com. 
Fox Nation presents podcasts, Women of the Bible Speak. I'm Shannon Bream, host of Fox News at Night and author of the new book, Women of the Bible Speak, the wisdom of 16 women and their lessons for today. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, foxnewspodcast.com, or wherever you download your podcasts. Home stretch on the Guy Benson Show on this Friday. We're almost there together. Thank you for listening. GuyBensonShow.com for the free podcast. Well, we mentioned it right before the break. There is an anniversary this weekend for the newest member of our team and his girlfriend. Dan, what is this, one year together? One year together. One happy year. Very exciting. And what did you have in store? So we had this plan, this, this trip planned up to uh, Providence, Rhode Island, where I went to college, and we both love it there. We have friends there and some family there. And I got us, you know, an Airbnb and reservation to a nice dinner and all this. And then the one day on our anniversary, we find out it's supposed to get dumped on with snow. And even Providence is supposed to be like the worst of it, too. They said like 25 to 35 inches. Whoa. And so now it's, uh, you know, not going to happen. So the, it's off. Like Airbnb gone. You're not going to drive up there. No. What's- yeah, it's off because it started It started snowing already here. And uh, just to be safe, my car is not very good in the snow. <laughs> so it's like a two and a half hour drive up there anyways. Um, so we rescheduled it for another time. But um, Was this a both of you call? Like you're in full agreement or is there sort of like one of you still pushing to go? Um, she was actually still pushing to go and kind of still was the last second. So I was kind of the decider on it, which I feel bad about because she was really bummed out and she was like, well, we can make it and we could do it. I'm like, I, I don't really think it's not smart to go up there and we'll get like snowed in. And I wouldn't be back for Monday and all this, you know, so I was being, um, kind of the, uh, one who was on the side we shouldn't go. Yeah. I mean, it seems probably like the prudent course of action to take a rain check or a snow check on this particular trip. So what's the backup plan? Because you go from something that you were both really pumped about to sort of like maybe stuck in the apartment. Right. So my gift really for the one year anniversary was this trip away and dinner and all these things. So I have like nothing really to like give her to unwrap really. I know. So, So I feel like I don't know what to do now. Um, but yeah, we'll probably just be stuck in the apartment watching movies and, uh, I'll cook something for dinner. I like doing that, some wine and, uh, that'll be about it. But I think if, as long as we're together, it'll be fine. Now I'm going to bring in producer Christine here for some advice. And Dan, when you listen to the advice, you should probably just do the opposite (laughs) of whatever she's about to say. And Christine, I'm going to limit this. What do you recommend for Dan? And please do not for the seventh time mention him proposing and buying a ring. We know that's your position on this. That is duly noted, but let's just say that prospect is maybe in the future, not happening imminently. What is your suggestion for how Dan could make it up to his girlfriend, given that their anniversary plan has basically fallen through? Well, here's the thing. It's so new. So what, you're a year in, it's all fun and games, it's all sweet, lovey-dovey, until one of them tells the other one they can't go see a medium and then you've got some problems in the relationship (laughs) department but in all seriousness i'm actually glad dan that you're not spending money on the airbnb because maybe we can now upgrade the ring a little bit every time you guys cancel something we can just add you know here's some 
better clarity. You know, you, you know that about rings, right? Maybe we can go from, you know, gold to platinum. Like, we, we can work this out. So I'm okay with this whole entire weekend being scrapped. She will be okay with it in the end. Don't you worry. Well, I have her friends sending me messages with ring suggestions constantly. So I have that going for me. So at least I know kind of what she would want. Right. We'll take those suggestions, but then we're going to get rid of the friend because I'm going to help you. Don't <laughs> okay. worry about it. Uh, so, so I love this. We ask Christine for some advice. And the only thing I say is let's not bring up the ring. And Christine comes out of the gate with a story about herself and then pivots immediately to the ring. So that's helpful. Christine, I'm getting some context clues there that maybe Bobby heard the home stretch yesterday and has forbidden you from wasting hundreds of dollars on a medium to talk to Carousel, the murdered pony. Ding, 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 ding. Guy's right again. Yeah, yeah. wasn't my uh, smartest move yesterday. You know, sometimes I really should learn less is more. Maybe I don't need to tell you and the audience everything because, uh, I mean, Bobby... That, he was right. when, you, when you have a secret, airing it on national radio is a good way for it not to be a secret anymore. That's a pro tip. Yeah, I've done this before. I think you the have. last time was when, I, when we were trying to sell the house without him, right? Yes, but we, the problem is he eventually, he eventually caves. This is the thing with Bobby. He puts his foot mm-hmm. down with you initially, and then you wear him down and he gives up. So I, you know, I'm getting, oh, hang on, I'm getting a reading. I'm getting a reading. I envision hundreds of dollars being wasted in a matter of weeks, maybe months, by Christine with someone who's going to tell her that she can talk to dead people. I think it's still going to happen because Bobby's instinct is right, and then he folds like a cheap chair. He does. He does fold. Um, I just I can break him down. That's, that's the good thing about Bobby. Uh, here's the thing. He's actually not even upset more. He's more upset... He thinks that this is going to, like, mentally, you know, break me down. And then I'm going to be, like, boo-hooing that, you know, whatever this person says. Well, no, then you'll get, a, you'll get addicted to it. You'll, you'll get addicted to it. Then you have to keep going back. It's like, oh, for this upgrade, you can have this conversation with a dead person. Oh, the dead person has more to say. Come give us more of your money. Like, this is how the racket works. And so I think it's best to avoid all of it because it – it will mess with your head, but that's the point. The point is to mess with your head to the point that you keep spending money. Well, I also had a good idea. What if I brought Dan with me and we get a reading for him and we find out when he's actually going to propose and get married? Okay, moving on, because we were talking about the snowstorm from the cold to the cool. Christine, you had a flop at the house last night. You tried. It didn't work. Boy, did that not work. Uh, tried to watch Cool Runnings. One of the greatest movies with Miss Megan. And well, let's, let's, I mean, let's just tap the brakes. It is not one of the greatest <laughs> movies. It is sort of a 90s Disney classic that seems relevant because of the Jamaican bobsled team being back in the news and the Winter Olympics and all of that. It is a good, fun movie of a certain era that I think has sentimental value and entertainment value. It is not an all-time great. But, yes, we were appreciating Cool Runnings on the show yesterday. You decided to show Megan, your 8-year-old, Cool Runnings for the first time. And do was, what, two thumbs down? Oh, yeah. No, she wasn't interested. She tried. Why? It's so she good. She tried. Nope. She, she, it didn't keep her interest. And now, remember, she is somebody, she really enjoys movies. I mean, we watched Clue. 
the movie from the 80s no, it's twice fabulous. last weekend. Yes, she just she tried maybe halfway through. She said, Mommy, I really don't like this movie. And I also tried, you know, like, I was like, Megan, wasn't that funny, that line? You know, I try to keep her involved in the movie sometimes when I know she is not all there. Maybe she hates sports. She like, does, actually. Like the drama of <laughs> sports a, just does nothing not for her. Like, forty person. No, no. I, I speaking of, I want her to do a sport, and she won't. And so I tried to get her to sign up for spring track at her school, and she cannot possibly understand for the life of her why someone would just want to run for no reason. You know what? You might need to introduce her to Mighty Ducks, and if she can't even enjoy Mighty Ducks, I think we've found the problem. It'd be a sports problem because Mighty Ducks is, is I would so say, a classic. Is a classic. So good. And even D2, honestly, is good. Right? With Iceland, I think Iceland was the bad guy in that one. Ziguli! Like, just a great franchise. Maybe try Mighty Ducks with her. And if she can't get her into that and, like, you know, Emilio Estevez and the whole thing, then it's probably just, you know, sports movies are just never going to do it for her. You know what? I did try uh, Ladybugs, remember, with Rodney Dangerfield? She didn't like that either. Was mm. not into it. And that was about soccer. So, no, she, tell, she tells anybody that will listen to her. She's not a sports person. She doesn't do sports. She doesn't mm. get it. Yeah. That's a sh- I feel like, you know, Bobby is a huge sports fan. I feel like he's just taking L after L in the household right now. Yeah, I mean, this was his lot in life, though, as he always says. Um, he's surrounded by three girls, Megan, Rosie, and Cookie. Rosie being the he's dog, nope. just for clarity there for the audience. We don't talk about Rosie very much because I sometimes worry about Rosie's well-being. And sometimes on our planning calls, if we're on sort of FaceTime, I will ask for a proof of life for Rosie, given what Christine, of course, did to her pony. Uh, all right, finally... Crucial question here on Cool Runnings. Megan did not like it. Christine was trying her best to get Megan into it, just was not working. Megan was distracted and fidgety and wanted to leave. Quiet, Wyatt, we gave you an assignment to watch Cool Runnings. I didn't give you a deadline for the assignment, but did you happen to use any of your spare time last night to watch that film? I did not, but maybe I'll watch this weekend. Um, I... I I, but I'm like Megan. I'm really just not a not a sports person. So but I'll it's have not to, like, really, really a sports movie. Like it's, of course, it's like around sports, sort of. But it's a comedy in its own way. I would like your book report on the home stretch on Monday for Cool Runnings. Copy that. Okay, <laughs> it's the dumbest assignment you've ever been given. But I think you'll thank me, or maybe not. Maybe you'll just hate it. You and Megan can go on Rotten Tomatoes and just crush Cool Runnings with biting, vicious, negative reviews. Uh, but I don't know. I, I, think it's, I think it's fantastic. And indeed, the movie came out in 1993, so I would have been eight, and you would have been, what, like negative eight or something? Oh, oh God. <laughs> that sounds about right, yep. What year were you born? 2000. Yeah. Oh my okay. Gosh. So you were you were the better part of a decade away from existing when Cool Runnings burst onto the scene. I think my prediction is you will like it, but I could be wrong. Well, stay warm, everyone. It's going to be cold all over the East Coast this weekend, and some places getting absolutely hammered with snow. So stay safe, stay warm. 
stay sane. Back here Monday for the Guy Benson Show. And Dan, happy anniversary. Good luck with all that. Thank you. All right. Have a good night, everyone. Enjoy your weekend. Talk to you Monday. Hi, everybody. It's Brian Kilmeade. I want you to join me weekdays at 9 a.m. East as we break down the biggest stories of the day with some of the biggest newsmakers and, of course, what you think. Listen live or get the podcast now at briankilmeadeshow.com. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, in these ever-changing times, you can rely on Fox News for hourly updates for the very latest news and information on your time. Listen and download now at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.